Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Discovering who you are and what you were born to do will change everything now. Here's the thing. We've already been talking in the series about the fact that you were born to be His. Well, that's what we talked about, the fact that you were born for a mission. And we said that if you just give Him the title in the driver's seat, man, He'll take you into this mission. I want you to know today we're going to be talking about the fact that you were born for more. I'm talking about way more. I want, I want to ask anybody here, have you ever thought, I, I think there's got to be more to this life than what I'm living? You know what I'm saying? There's got to be more to this life than my next episode of Dancing with the Stars. There has to be more to this life than, than, than more soccer fields and baseball diamonds and football goals. There's got to be more to this life than the next golf course or tennis course or card table. There's got to be more to pursue than just bigger homes and nicer cars. Uh, there's got to be more of a challenge than the next mud race or how many burpees I can do. There's got to be a challenge to something bigger than my, my investment portfolio. There has to be more. And I want to tell you the answer to the question, uh, if you're asking, is there more, is wow, there is immeasurably more. In Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 19 through 22, which is where we are today, in verses 20 and 21, he says this, He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I just want to tell you that immeasurably more is what we're going for today. At the end of this service, we are going to invite you to come forward and participate in a prayer. And you're going to be encouraged to come forward and actually pray this prayer. Have it prayed over you and participate in this prayer. But before we do, I want you to know that out of all the prayers prayed in the history of humankind... This prayer, aside from the prayer that Jesus himself prayed that's recorded in John chapter 17, is likely the most impactful prayer that has ever been prayed. It has changed more lives. It has changed more communities, more nations. It has had a greater impact on humankind than any other prayer ever offered. And if you have this prayer prayed over you and you participate in this prayer, you can count on it. It's going to launch you into a whole different level of living. That's how big it is, okay? So before we get into it, I want you to know, going back to verse 14, if you're in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 14, you'll hear how he begins. Paul at this time is in prison. He's at least under house arrest. And as he's in this place and he says to the Ephesian people as he's writing to them, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And right there, for this reason, he says, I kneel before the father. I'm getting ready to pray this prayer over you, he's saying. And this prayer is enormously impactful, but this is the reason why I'm praying. So lest you and I back up, and find out 
what the reason is, all right? I want you to know the reason why this prayer is being prayed over you today if you desire for it to be so, okay? To find the answer to for this reason, you have to back up to chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, where he says that at that time, there was a time in your life when you were actually separated from Christ. He goes on to say that you were actually without hope and without God in the world. So there was a time for you when you were separated from God, you were separated from hope, you were at a place where your life really didn't have the purpose and meaning, and in fact, you were headed to a a Christless eternity in hell. That was life. That was where you were headed. It was nothing. And then he said something powerful happened. God sent his son into the world. So as you go to to verse 17 of chapter 2, he says this, that he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far away. So you were far from God, but he preached peace to you. And he also preached to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is what Paul's saying about you. He's saying, Jesus preached peace to you who are far away. He preached peace to those who are near. Through him, we have access to the Father by one spirit. And then he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also... Um, members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. And then he says, and in him, you too are being built together, become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let me just summarize that for you. Here's what God's saying about you. He's saying, you may have been far from God, but you've been brought into the family of God. You're now a part of the most significant gathering of people on the planet. And you are going to be built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God's purposes for you are way bigger than you thought. What he wants to do with you and through you and in you is way bigger than you ever imagined. And matter of fact, immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. And so by the time you get into chapter 3, we're about to get back to the prayer, but in chapter 3, verse 10, he said that, that his intention was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Do you realize that what God wants to do in and through you is so significant, it is so big that he's saying, you aren't just going to make a difference on earth that the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms are going to see the power and glory of God. How many people here have ever looked up at the stars in the sky and seen God's creation, this 14 billion light year universe, and gone, God is awesome. Anybody ever kind of had that feeling? You know what I'm saying? You look at me, you're going like, God is awesome. Look at what he does. He's such an awesome God. And look at his wisdom and look at his power and look what he's done. Well, what God is saying is the heavenly beings will look down on you The heavenly beings will look down on you and will go, God is awesome. Look what he does. That's how significant. That angels will sing and demons will tremble over what God is going to do in and through you. That's big. And so he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, or for which every family in heaven and on earth uh, derives its name. Here's the truth. For this reason, God has purposes for you 
that are intended to shake heaven. God has purposes for you that are intended to make demons tremble and angels sing. And he's saying, for that reason, I want to pray for you right now. Now, I'm going to tell you what he's going to pray. He prays this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I want you to think about strengthening you with power. How many people, if you're praying for strength and power, you measure strength and power by things like, you know, how much you bench press? You remember when you were in high school? It's like, how much you bench press? You know, that's, that was it. That's the measure of a man is how much do you bench press? You know, um, that the measure of how much power you have is how much money you make. The measure of power, how much power you have is, is what a bad dude you are. And here's the thing is when it comes to bringing glory to God through power, God wants to to give you a power that's beyond your imagination. But it is so different than the power in this world. The power of evil around you. How many people noticed that just this past Tuesday, uh, there was somebody who drove a truck in lower Manhattan down a bike path and killed eight people, injured 12, ran into a school bus. You remember that whole thing? And and hopped out of the car saying, uh, Allahu um, Akbar. God is great. Like this is great and powerful. In Mogadishu on the 14th, there was a, a, a truck bomb that killed 350 people, more than 350, and injured 400. And the same thing, like somehow that kind of power is supposed to bring glory to God. And the reality is all that kind of power does is bring a sense of brokenness and evil and depth of sadness to the world. Agreed? And here's the thing, as you look at a world with all kinds of brokenness and evil and all kinds of junk that's going on around you, and you think, if I could just do something, if I could do something about what's happening to our teenagers today, if I could do something about the opiate epidemic that people are just dying right and left from, if I could do something about the brokenness in families, if I could do something about the the refugee crisis with millions of people with no home and no place to be, if I could just do something... I wish God, how many people wish you just had some superpower? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it would be awesome if I would have superpower. Um, I don't know which, matter of fact, when uh, Robert Hahn got married, he had us each choose our own superhero shirt to wear under our suits. It was really cool. All right, so, so one of the dudes chose Spider-Man. How many of you are a Spider-Man fan? Anybody a Spider-Man fan? Oh, come on. There got to be more Spider-Man fans than that. All right, so as a Spider-Man fan, here's the thing is that if you remember Peter Parker, right? He's going through this science exhibit and and there is a spider and the spider bites Peter Parker on the arm. You remember that? And after he bit Peter Parker on the arm, they did a great job of this. They showed the double helix of of the DNA. The DNA from the spider and the DNA from Peter Parker break loose from each other and come together. You remember that? And they came together and all of a sudden created... Peter Parker now just doesn't have Peter Parker DNA. He's got Spidey DNA, right? You remember that? And all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, there's something in me that wasn't there before. I've got power I used to not have before. And so you remember he's getting ready to get in a fight at school and somebody tries to throw a punch at him. And it's like it's in slow motion. He's going like, well, I'll just get out of the way of that. You remember that? And then he's able to take somebody down in a heartbeat. He's able to climb walls. He's like, oh, this is awesome. i got power. How many people, if you could have power like that, you would do things to change the world, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you would do things to change the world. If you could just be, if you could have some supernatural power like Peter Parker, if you could have some DNA infusion into you that gave you ability to do things that were beyond human, 
I mean, that's a little corny, but how many people, if God gave you the ability to do superhuman things, think you would use that superhuman power to make a difference in this world? Would anybody besides me? Even if you had to do it anonymously, right? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? And so, so here's the reality. That's exactly, y'all don't miss it. It's exactly what Paul was praying. Paul said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's saying, I'm praying that Jesus will infuse his DNA into your DNA. I'm praying that you will have superhuman capacity I'm praying that you will have the capacity to be like the son of the living God. Now get that. And that's what God is praying for you. That's what God wants for you. That's what he's saying he created for you is that ultimately you would live out immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. So what is the superhuman strength? Every superpower's got super strength. You know what I'm saying? But, but here's the thing is that all those are a joke The reality is, is that there's only one superhuman power, only one power that actually has the power to overcome every evil on the planet, no matter what that evil is. And so when you think about truck bombs and you think about all that, you can think about nukes, you can think about anything you want to think about. And there's only one that has the power to do it. We learned about it when we visited Rwanda a couple of years back. And going to Rwanda, if you don't know, in 1994, there was a terrible massacre, massacre where the, the Hutu tribe um, came against the Tutsi tribes. And, and probably close to a million people were slaughtered with machetes and just the great horrible violence that took place in that nation over a period of, of just a, a month or two. It was just horrible what was happening. And so as that as that was happening, guys, and there was evil on a mass scale, they're shipping in crates full of machetes and they're, they're aligning 300 people at a time going out to look for people to murder. I mean, it was just, if you've been to Uganda and you've been to the Genocide Museum or you've been to places where, you know, it's just skulls on top of skulls on top of skulls. We were in one little church building like, like half the size of this church building where 10,000 people died as they massacred people inside of it. And you're going like, oh my God, how can... How can you, God, do something about this? I want to show you what he did about it. And we saw it person to person. I sat and sat right in front of, I preached in a church where ladies were sitting on the front row and they had their arms around each other, were laughing together. And I found out that this lady's family had killed this lady's family. So the men of her family had been slaughtered by the other woman's men. And, and watching them love each other, you're just going like, this is un- incomprehensible. Um, it's been captured uh, by Jeremy, I think it's pronounced Cowart, but, but Jer- Jeremy, um, a lot of you met him through uh, our Catalyst conference experience. And, but just a, he's an artist who goes around, a, a photographer, and takes pictures that are profound. And, and he went to Rwanda and took this picture. Um, and he took many like this, but the... the um, the guy on the left, his, his uh, name is Innocent. Um, and then the guy on the right is Jasper. Innocent killed Jasper's brother, who Jasper deeply loved. But he killed Jasper's brother in, in 1994 during the genocide. And now this is Jasper and Innocent together loving each other. 
the incomprehensible that Jasper would be loving, innocent, and that they would have a relationship. And so you know what they have written on their arm? It is, love is the weapon that kills all evil. Yeah, right? Love is the weapon that kills all evil. And all of a sudden you realize there's a power that's greater than the power that most of us even begin to know. And uh, Evelyn Laycott, who uh, many of you know of her great Bible teacher, she was at Lake Junaluska, and she talked about meeting a man when she was in Chicago who was teaching in inner city schools in, in Chicago, and he was making a difference in the lives of people. So she asked him his history, and it turned out he was a gang member. He was a Hells Angel, um, had been in Los Angeles in the Hells Angels. And she said, how did you come to know Jesus? And she, he said, well, I used to go by this street preacher. He got on my nerves. He would talk about preaching all the time. He said, so I would spit on him. And he would look back at me with greatest sincerity and say, God loves you and I love you. And he said, and so I would start to do things like hit him. And he would say, God loves you and I love you. He said, and I would do things like hit him. And then he was on the ground, kick him. And he would look up at me and with great sincerity say, God loves you and I love you. And he said, I started to look at that man and realize I wanted what he had because I thought I had strength. But this man had true strength, a strength like I had never known. I just want you to know that there is a power in love that God desires for you and for me to possess. And here's the problem is that when we think of more, we always think of more in the whole world's definition of more. I want more physical fitness. I want more money. I want more popularity. I want more athletic achievement. I want more position. I want more money. I want more possessions. I want more, right? We want more, we want more, we like it because we want more, we want more, right? And, 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 he, and as we're praying, we think, if God's going to give me more, when I told you immeasurably more, some of you were probably already thinking like more in some of those ways. And what God's saying is, look, if you want more, if you really want more, then seek more of what actually matters. Because if you get more of this, it's going to change everything. I want you to have more love. I want you to have an incomprehensible level of love and the impact that it would make in your life could change everything for you. Now, here's what happens, though. It's, it's people in church, they think that more means I get more spiritual. It means I, I know... Now, I love the Word. Everybody knows, if you know me, you know I love the Word. But people think I need to know the Bible more, and if I know the Bible more, then I got more. Or I need to go to... Bible studies more. If I go to more Bible studies, I got more. I need to go to church more, and I got more. I had a precious lady come up to me last week, and she said, I want you to pray for me that I would be able, and she's awesome. I love her so much. And she said, I want you to pray for me that I would be able to speak in tongues so that I can know that I have the Holy Spirit. And y'all, we believe in speaking in tongues, and that's actually a part of my prayer life is, is speaking in tongues. I believe in it. It's, it's powerful edification for the believer. But I told her, I said, I don't even want to pray that for you. I mean, I'll pray it for you because, because if it's something that can edify you, then good. But let me tell you, the thing that is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is love. And girl, you're eating up with it. And you show more love and more grace. And I've known more tongue-talking whack balls who are so far from God's. And I say that as a person who, who has that gift. But I'm saying I've seen people that exercise all kinds of gifts. Jesus said there'd be many of those people who would come to him and he would say, I never knew you. 
Because the evidence of what it is to truly know God is actually to have his love poured out into your hearts. I love the way that John Wesley said it. It's in a book called A Plain Account of Christian Perfection. And he said this, the heavens of heavens is love. There is nothing higher in religion. There is, in fact, nothing else. If you look for anything but more love, you are looking wide of the mark. You are getting out of the royal way. And when you ask others, have you received this or that blessing? If you mean anything but more love, you mean wrong. You are leading them out of the way and putting them on a false scent. Settle it, therefore, in your heart that from the time God has saved you from all sin, you will aim at nothing but more of that love that's described in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. You can go no higher than this until you're taken to Abraham's bosom. Powerful statement, right? John Wesley, believing in all the power of God to work through miraculous gifts and all kinds of stuff, he said, but if you seek anything but more love, you're seeking the wrong thing. And every other gift that's given and every other thing that done is, is done is only done to help bring you to a deeper and more powerful love. If you know love like Jesus' love, there is no greater thing that you can do. There is no greater thing that will impact your life. There is nothing higher. And so let me illustrate. There's a guy named Colonel John Mansour was in Vietnam and he was... Uh, he heard this story and he said, he said, for all accounts, he said, I, I, I truly feel like it was a, a, a true story shared with me by some folks in the Navy. But, but he said that there was a, a Vietnamese um, orphanage run by some missionaries and somehow some mortars accidentally landed in that orphanage. And the, the missionaries were killed outright and a lot of the children were, but there were some children who had survived and some who were terribly injured. But one of the little girls was an eight-year-old girl who was terribly injured. And so they called the village, called to a nearby village that had contact with allied forces and, uh, I mean, with the uh, American forces. And they got a Navy doctor and a Navy nurse to get down there in a Jeep. They showed with their medical equipment. And here was this eight-year-old girl, and she was, had lost a lot of blood. She was in danger of dying. So they said, we've got to get her some blood. And so they tested their own blood and they gave little pricks to the fingers of the kids. Their own blood wasn't a match. There were a couple within the groups of kids that were not injured who had the right blood type. And so they tried to explain. He only spoke some pigeon Vietnamese and and the, the, the nurse spoke some high school French. And they're trying to communicate with these kids. And they had a hard time, but they tried to say, we need you to help give blood. And finally, this little kid named Hang, H-E-N-G, Hang started to lift his hand, put it back down again. And after a while, he kind of nervously got his, his hand all the way up. And they said, Hang, you'll do it. Yes. So they bring Hang over. And of course, just putting an IV in is horrible for a little guy. And he gets the IV in. And pretty soon, the blood starts running down that little tube um, over into the little girl. He said, at first, Hang just looked like he was staying in like a trooper, you know. But, but after a while, this sob kind of broke out. And, and he covered his face, kind of embarrassment. And he brought it back under control. And a little bit later, another sob came out. And they said pretty soon he had his eyes squinted shut. And he was biting his fist to try to keep from sobbing out loud. And they kept asking him, are you hurting? And he would go, no, I'm not hurting. And, you know, just no. And and they said, well, what's wrong? They had no idea. And so finally a Vietnamese nurse showed up. And when the Vietnamese nurse showed up, she started talking to him pretty rapidly because she saw how upset he was. 
And as she talked, he talked back, and then she spoke something in a very soothing voice, and they said that they could just see his face, his face like look up her with a question mark, and she smiled and said something very sweetly to him, and all of a sudden he just relaxed. And she turned to the American doctor and nurse and said, he misunderstood you. And of course, they were only partially speaking his language, and he knew you were asking for blood, but he thought you were asking for all of his blood. And so he thought he was dying. He thought he was dying. And that's the reason he was so upset. And so the nurse, the American nurse said, what in the world would cause him to do that? And so the, the Vietnamese nurse said to him, why, Hang, were you willing to give all your blood when you thought it was going to be, you know, all your blood? And he said, well, she's my friend. And, um, and John Mansour, that colonel, then quoted Jesus from John chapter 15, verse 13, where he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one, down one's life for one's friend, right? And here's the truth, guys. I don't care what you ever do compared to that little boy hang. Having that kind of love is as deep as it gets. It's as powerful as it gets. It's as high as it gets. If you want more, go for more of that, right? Go for more of that. And God's saying if you get more of that, it's going to radically transform you. Understand this, it's going to change the way you live your life. If you do that, do you understand what the power of that love would cause a little boy to lay down his arm and watch the blood run out of him thinking it was all going to his friend? Think about what it will mean for you. I was riding in a car with somebody recently and, and, and just a couple that I love dearly and I heard a story that the husband didn't even want told. He was so humbled by it, but, but his wife said that he has a car and, and he had a, a Lexus. It had some miles on it. But he told his wife they were in a place where they needed a new car and they were going to be pinching pennies to get there. And he said, I just feel led to give this car away. And, and she said, well, if that's what God's leading you to do. And he gave the car away. And when he gave the car, he went to a dealership and said, I want to be anonymous. So I just want to give this car to somebody. And the guy said, 22 minutes ago or something, he said, a guy was just asking and said he needs a car because he's selling everything he's got preparing to go to Tanzania to be a missionary. And so he was able to give that car and the gentleman who received that car is preparing to go to Tanzania and minister to people there and make a world changing difference. And this guy has this story and he said as it was all fleshed out and all the story of what was happening, he was so beautiful and so humble as his wife was sharing it. But he's experienced something, guys, that most of us never experience. You know what? Because if you don't have love like that, you don't give like that. And if you don't give like that, you don't see God moving in the way that God moves when you give like that. And having given like that, God then moved in and provided a car for them that was better than what they would have gotten. And they were just see God moving, right? Who wants to see God move on that level? I was just sitting here. We just did a funeral for a boy, 21-year-old, precious young man. And he's in this church, got a precious family, but he has no dad in his life. And so a, a, a woman in our church and, and her husband and her precious daughter and her son, they, they invited this little guy into their home at 12 years old just so he could have that daddy's influence in his life. And that young man grew strong. He's one of the most beautiful young men you will ever know in your whole life. And, and as a result of his life, great things were done. But this kid is eternally in heaven. And it's eternally in heaven because somebody had the courage to step up with a supernatural kind of love. Who does that? Who just says, come on into my home 
And I'll provide whatever you need. And you're not my child, but, but you are going to become my child. And, and here's the thing. If you don't love like that, you never experience what God does when you love like that. You want more, start loving like that. And see what God does and what he leads you to do. And where is he going to prompt you to go? Right? You're going to find yourself loving like Jesus. And Jesus loved sacrificially. It was amazing what Jesus did. And he's saying, I want the same love in you. And then you'll experience me immeasurably more than you asked or imagined ever before. And you'll love people you never thought you could love. I don't know if uh, you guys have had a chance to, to, to get to know about um, this, uh, this precious young lady. And her, her last name is Illa Begiza. Um, and and this, this woman is in a bathroom that's four feet by six feet. No, it's three feet by four feet. A three foot by four foot bathroom, and she's in there with seven other women. Now, Immaculate, that's her, her first name, but Immaculate is just, she is in the Rwandan massacre when this picture is taken. Her family has been massacred by the Hutus. She's packed into a bathroom with seven other women, and that's for two months she stays in there. For two months to try to keep from being killed because people want her blood. After it was over, Immaculate, who was just a precious woman, was in a place where she had to begin praying, God, help me get through this. And God has shown himself to her during that time. Even when 300 people came looking for folks and they never opened that bathroom door in ways God just showed himself to her. But she started praying the Lord's Prayer. And she would pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. But she said, I could never pray that next line as we forgive those who trespass against us, as we forgive those who sin against us. She said, they had killed my daddy. They had killed my brothers. They had killed the people that I love and they had tried to kill me. And it was so vicious and so horrible. She said, I could not pray it. And she said, and then I think it was somebody said to her. They said, you know, that prayer is not written by humans. That prayer is written by the Lord himself. And you can't edit that prayer. And y'all listen to this. She had the courage to pray the prayer. Forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And it was that prayer that led to supernatural love in Immaculate Illobagiza. And if you see what is God has done in her life since then, um, she is one of the greatest witnesses for Jesus across this world. She has spoken on just about every news channel station imaginable. She has written books. God has used her so profoundly. She is such a beautiful woman. Listen to this. This is what she said. She said, I came to realize that God never shows us something we aren't ready to understand. Instead, he lets us see what we need to see when we need to see it. He'll wait until our eyes and our hearts are open to him. And then when we're ready... He will plant our feet on the path that's best for us. But it's up to us to do the walking. She had to make a decision. And it's your decision. Because we're going to pray over you that prayer that we've just gone through. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love 
may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Who would like to know a love that surpasses knowledge? He's saying, you can't even get it up here, but you'll know it by experience. If you ask me, I'll give you that kind of love. I hope you to love people like a woman in this church that I know who forgave her brother who molested her. Like somebody else in this church who forgave the person who killed their brother. Like somebody else sitting in this church right now who forgave the person who stole tens of thousands of dollars from them. The capacity to love people you didn't think you could love. And the capacity to be a person you didn't think you could be. Who wants immeasurably more? I'm going to ask that as we come out and sing about a song that talks about how he loves us. Anybody who wants to pray for that love, I'm going to invite you to come and kneel. And if you can't find a place to kneel, to come and stand. And don't leave this place until we get to the point where we pray this prayer. If you truly want more, we invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.